but it's a joy to be with you today, and uh, I've been looking forward to being here and to seeing what God is doing in the church. Heard a lot about uh, Horsham and Harvest Church and, and what's been happening. It's a delight to be with you, and I've met numbers of you already, Ian and his wife, whose daughter was brilliant on keyboards this morning, and uh, others of you, it's just lovely to meet you. And all those in nil, nil, sounds like a soccer score. Or my AFL team, North Melbourne, it sounds like their score. But uh, great to be able to connect with all of you online and those uh, watching in other locations as well. I want to talk to you this morning uh, from the story of Abraham. Genesis chapter 12 records uh, Abraham's encounter with God. It, it wasn't really so much that Abraham encountered God. It was more that God encountered Abraham. How many of you know people say, well, well when I found Jesus, you didn't find Jesus. He found you. How could the finite ever comprehend the infinite? How could we ever find God? The only way that we could ever know God is for God to first know us. That's the beauty of Christmas. The word incarnate, God became flesh. He had to because there's no possible way that you and I could ever discover God. He had to discover and reveal himself to us. Thank God for his graciousness in condescending to become like you and I so that we could know him. What an incredible incredible thing you know when we adopted the boys people say um so so did you have to go to africa to get them i said no 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 we uh, we got them sent to us i remember when we arrived home uh, pulled up in the driveway and there was a little box on the front step and i thought great someone's been shopping online again and uh i remember we went up and we opened the box and and there were two little african babies it was amazing of course we had to go to africa there, there was no way they were coming to us we had to go to them. And isn't that the truth with God? The Bible says that we're all adopted into the family of God. We're all orphans, aren't we? And uh, we could never have gotten to Him, but thank God He came to us. And so in Genesis chapter 12, God encounters Abraham and speaks to him. And we read in Genesis 12, verse 1 The Lord said to Abram, Get out of your country, from your family, and from your father's house, and go to a land that I will show you. I'll make you a great nation. I'll bless you and make your name great. You'll be a blessing. I'll bless those who bless you, curse those who curse you, and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram departed as the Lord had spoken to him, and Lot, his nephew, went as well. And Abram was 75 years, are you listening, Jude? Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your goodness to us. Lord, we thank you that for thousands of years you've been encountering men and women. Lord, I thank you that even today you want to encounter us afresh. And so I pray for every person in this building, every person watching online, whether we're here for the first time or whether we've been here a million times, I pray today we would just know your love and grace just a little bit more in Jesus' wonderful name. And everyone said, Amen. I'm not sure if you've caught it in the passage we read, but the Bible says that Abram had lived in Haran 75 years. Now, it's easy to read that passage and miss the incredible step of faith that Abraham takes. He's been in Haran 75 years. I remember living in Townsville. We were there for 10 years. And, and living in a certain place for 10 years gives you a level of familiarity. After 10 years living in Townsville at the same address, I knew where my favorite coffee place was. There were numbers of coffee places, but I had my coffee place. And not just my coffee place, I had my table 
at my coffee place and I had my menu items such that when I went for my coffee, I didn't even order. I just sat down and smiled at the woman at reception and she bought me what I wanted. Would that all of life worked that way. Out of all of the grocery stores in Townsville, we had our grocery store. Out of all of the hairdressers in Townsville, I would biannually go to my favorite. Let's see why that's funny. And, uh, and so with, with longevity comes a level of familiarity. You would understand that. I talked to a, a lady this morning who's lived in Horsham, I think 52 years. Well, how many of you know after 52 years, you're no longer using Google Maps? And so Abram has lived in Haran 75 years. He knows Haran like the back of his hand. And into his familiarity steps God. And God says, Abram, I want you to go. God God says, I want you to go. Abram says, well, well, okay, go where? And Abram says, uh, God says, I'll tell you where you're going when you get there. Now, how many of you know it's it's one thing for Abram to accept this, but he's got to go home. And he's got to talk to his wife. And I can imagine the conversation. He says to his wife, Sarah, Sarah, we we need to talk. Now, ladies, you would understand when a man says we need to talk, it's never good. And she says, okay, he says, you better sit down. So they sit down at the table and he says, sweetheart, um, God's been speaking to me. She becomes immediately, what do you mean God's been speaking to you? He told you to kill one of the kids like last time. He says, no, no, it's just God's God's been speaking to me. And he said, well, he he said, he said, he he said, we've got to go. She says, what do you mean go? He God said, we, we've, we've got to leave. She folds her arms, looks at him cynically and says, go where? I can imagine Abram shifting nervously in his seat, looking at the carpet and saying, well, see, here's the thing. God, God said he'll tell us where we're going when we get there. How many of you know that's not satisfactory at all? Sarah's got a million questions and Abraham can't answer a single one of them. How far are we going? He doesn't know. Is it safe where we're going? He's unsure. Will we know anybody when we get there? He hasn't the faintest idea. What's the food like? What's the culture like? What's the weather like? Do we pack everything or do we pack light? And every question she asks, his answer is not sure, not sure, not sure. I used to think that when I gave my life to Jesus, everything would become sure. These days, I'm less sure of most things than I've ever been. I thought if I give my life to Jesus and go to church every week, then all of life will be certain. And these days, I'm probably less certain than I've ever been. Hebrews chapter 11, verse 8 says, By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place he would receive as an inheritance. And he went out, listen to it, not knowing where he was going. Sounds like some of you. He went out not knowing where. Where he was going. Now, now let me try and illustrate for you um, how this would have worked in Abram's life. If we can talk about you, and we're going to divide you into two, okay? We're just going to divide, because most of you are probably bipolar, so we'll just divide you into two, and we'll say there's a, uh, can, can we agree on this? There's, I know you're complex, but can we say there's a spiritual dimension to your life, and there's a natural dimension to your life? Is that all right? Um, At your funeral, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. There's there's a natural component to your life. We are like the beasts made from the dust of the earth. But how many of you know we're not just dust, we're not just natural. There's a spiritual component. We are God-breathed. Winston Churchill said, all men are worms. I just happen to believe I am a glowworm. I like that. And so there's this natural and supernatural mix. We are God-breathed dust, made in the image and likeness 
of God. So identify with the beasts in our body, but with God himself in our spirit. Now, how many of you know we are uniquely and insanely curious creatures? We're always asking questions. One of the questions we ask is the question of identity. Who am I? How many of you know that is a spiritual question? Do you realize that? The question, well, well who am I? That, that's not a natural question. It's a spiritual question. Let me prove it to you. Not once has your dog ever sat in its kennel thinking, well, I know they call me Rover, but who am I really? (laughs) Your dog doesn't ask that question, but you do, because the question of identity is a spiritual question. What about the question of meaning and purpose? That's a spiritual question. Uh, I'll, I'll illustrate it for you. Not once has your dog ever chased a car down the road, yapping at its tires, thinking, this is fun, but... What am I really supposed to be doing with my life? Your dog doesn't ask that question, but questions of meaning and purpose, that they are questions that, that we ask. And, and what about life after death? That's a spiritual question. Now, I've got to admit that before I came to faith in Christ, my answers to those questions were, don't know, don't know, don't know. Who am I? I don't know. I, I know who my parents expect me to be. I know who the culture is trying to convince me to be. I know who the media are trying to shape me into being. But, but as for who am I, I, I don't know. I just can't wait to finish year 12 and, and, and take a gap year and go to Europe to find myself. Uh, and, and as for, for meaning and purpose, yeah, I don't know. Get a bigger limit to my credit card? Yeah, I don't know. Find a girlfriend, dude? Get a purpose, dude. Just do something. I, I, I don't know. Buy a house, get a job. I, and as for life after death, I don't want to even think about turning 30. And, and so, um, so, so my answer to all of these questions is don't know, don't know, don't know. And how many of you know it's impossible to live your life not knowing? We were not created to live with feet firmly planted in midair. Who can tolerate such a life? And so what we do is, is we ignore all these things which we have no concept of and we can't solve and we just focus on things that we can be sure of like, I don't know, where am I going to do this weekend? And uh, where am I going to get some money from? And, and who am I going to hang out with? And, and where am I going to live? And, and I just focus on those things over which I have a degree of certainty. More certainty in other states where the government don't continually change everything, but uh, you know, a degree of certainty. And, uh, and, and then I went to a church like this, and, and someone preached, and, and something happened in my heart, and I, I put my faith in Jesus. And all of a sudden, gradually, but, but, but surely, I became certain of spiritual things. Who am I? I'm, I'm a child of God. I'm, I'm made in the image and likeness of God himself. And what's my meaning and my purpose? Well, I, I'm made to, to glorify God, not just in in worship, but, but all of life is worship. My work is an act of worship to God because I'm uniquely and wonderfully made. My characteristics, my personality, my demeanor, my temperament is all a, a work of God. And so my worship is not just lifting hands in church, but when I work, I'm worshiping. When, when I'm enjoying sport and leisure time that, that appeals to me, I'm, I'm glorifying God. It's like Eric Little, the, the famous chariots of fire uh, runner who said, when I run fast, I feel the smile of God. Because I know who I am and I, I know what I'm made to do. And, and when I die, well, all fear of death is gone because Jesus said, I'm going to prepare a place for you. And so for the first time in my life, I became sure. I was certain of, of the big things in life. And then something weird happened, something most unexpected. God began to speak to me. 
And he, be, he began to ask me to do things. He'd say, I, I want you to move here. And I'd say, well, sure. And I heard him so clearly. And so I just had a couple of questions. Like, like if, if I move there, like, like where will we live? How are we going to pay for it? Is anyone going to come with us? And, and on those things, God was strangely silent. And I started to learn God is big on command. He's rather light on detail. And, and, and I started to realize, well, what, but, but if I do this, but, but, but how am I going to pay? And where's my money going to come from? And, but I'm not going to know anywhere. And, 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 and all of those, God wouldn't say anything. And so here's what happened. Before I was a Christian, I was completely unsure about spiritual things, but I was pretty sure about this weekend. My life was diarized, regimented, routine. Then I became a Christian and the whole thing flipped. I became very sure that Jesus was directing my steps, that I was filled with the Holy Spirit, that He would never leave me or forsake me. I was sure that His Word was, was, was coming and I was hearing His voice. But, but, but the surer I was of God, the less sure I was about everything else because He keeps requiring me to leave and He's going to tell me where I'm going when I get there. But here's the thing, and I want you to get this. It's, it's your certainty of who Jesus is and what he's called you to do that enables you to live with the uncertainty of what the life of faith means. The surer you are of God, the less sure you'll be of everything else. The more certain you are of God, the less certain you're going to be of pretty much everything else. Oswald Chambers said to be certain of God is to be uncertain in all our ways. You never know what a day may bring. This is generally said with a sigh of sadness. It should rather be an expression of breathless expectation. To be sure of God is to be unsure of everything else because you just don't know what God's going to ask you to give away. You just don't know what God's going to ask you to do. You just don't know where God's going to ask you to go. And for most people, this would be incredibly frightening and intimidating. But for us, it's actually what makes the Christian faith an adventure. It, it, it ends stuffy religion and it makes the Christian faith an incredible journey and a great adventure. In Matthew 8 verse 20, Jesus said, Foxes have holes, birds have the air, uh, of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. It's a great scripture. Um, foxes have holes, birds have nests. Make sense? I think we get that. Foxes, holes, birds. He's talking about natural Things. A, a fox makes sure of its hole, a bird makes sure of its nest, but the Son of Man, now he's talking about spiritual things, has no place to lay his head. In other words, Jesus is saying, follow me and you never know where you'll end up. I sometimes wonder if that's the only promise God makes. I promise me, I, I promise you, if you follow me, you just don't know where you'll ever end up. That's the exciting part about being in this church. Follow Andrew and Rachel. As they follow Jesus, you never know where you'll end up. And for most people, I'm not sure I want to be part of a church like that. That's the only church I'd be part of. Because here's the thing. If you're super sure of every natural thing, I can guarantee you're not hearing from God. Because when God said, I want you to leave Haran, he didn't give Abraham a map or a 10-point plan or a dossier of, you know, there's this and there's this. I, I would want details. I would want a prospectus. I would want, I would want you know, well, if, if we're going to do this, like, can I speak to someone else who's been to Haran? Is, is there someone I could talk to over coffee who's, who's done the, you know, go to Haran program? At, at the end of the Bible college course, like, what do you get? 
Like, what, what's the job? But the, the, you don't get those questions answered. All you know is God spoke. But it's your certainty of who God is that enables you to answer that phone, though unsure <laughs> why they're calling in the middle of my message. <laughs> you know, um, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 18, it, it talks about when Jesus, are we doing all right? Are you happy? All right. Girl over there with the white, you have the coolest hair of anyone in this church. I like it. Um, now, everyone's looking at you. I've told him, I'm so sorry. If it's your first time here, you probably never, ever come back. You're like, man. Uh, Matthew chapter 4 says, li- li- listen to this. It says, as Jesus walked by the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, called Peter, and Andrew, casting nets into the sea, for they were fishermen. Uh, Jesus said to them, follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. They immediately left their nets and followed him. A couple of things about that that just, I think, are weird. Um, just the Bible, how many of you know the Bible is written for people of all levels of comprehension? Like, uh, I think it's quite funny. It says, they were casting nets into the sea for they were fishermen. Yeah, no kidding. Um, obviously, they weren't accountants. Um, you know, casting nets into the sea for they were fishermen. We, we get it. Does, does Matthew think we're a bit slow on the uptake? Does he think we're just, you know, we, we need special help understanding? No, he's trying to make a point. They were casting nets into the sea for they were fishermen. In other words, fishing wasn't what they did, it's who they were. Uh, if you ask them, you know, what, what will you be doing next week? Fishing. If you said, have you got a five-year plan? Exactly. I know you do. But if you interrupt my message one more time, you'll be out. Um, <laughs> And, um, and so if you said to them, you know, your, your kids, what, what about your kids? What will they be doing, you know, when they grow up and they finish school? Well, they'll be fishing. They'll, they'll be fishing like their father fished, like their grandfather fished, and like their great-grandfather before him. They had their life planned, diarized, regimented. They knew what they would be doing, and into their certainty steps Jesus. And Jesus says, follow me. Now, here's the thing. He says, follow me, and then he just walks off. And, and this is the amazing thing about that passage. I'm not sure if you saw it, but it says immediately they dropped everything and followed him. That, that to me is astonishing because I would not have done that. I would have said, well, just hang on a second. Like, like this whole fishes of men thing. Now, we know what that means because with 2,000 years of, of study, we recognize it means they're going to go into all the world and preach the gospel and make disciples. But they didn't have the benefit of 2,000 years uh, of pondering. They, they simply he just said, follow me and walked off. So I would want to know the Fishers of Men program, like, is there a DVD I can watch? Is there a brochure? Can I talk to people who've done the Fishers of Men deal? Um, Mum and Dad are going to have a million questions. Like, is it, is it, is it government accredited? Um, and uh, are there employment opportunities? And what's the... But he's just gone. And here's the miracle. It says immediately they, they dropped everything and followed him. So, so you've got to ask yourself, what on earth happened just then? Here's what happened. In that moment, they became convinced that Jesus was the Son of God, the Word of God incarnate. They became convinced this is not just another in a long line of impressive teaching rabbis. This is not just a freakish miracle worker. This is the Son of God, the anointed one, the Messiah we've been waiting for. And they were so sure of who Jesus was, they were prepared to be unsure about everything else for the rest of their lives. Uh, it, it, was, it was good. It was a good very good point. You know, um, uh, Jesus called them to sacrifice certainty. And 
And, and you know, in hindsight, looking at your own life, I, I, I would hazard a guess that most of the defining moments in your life are those moments where you sacrificed being sure. And, and just for a moment, you allowed yourself to not have to be sure before you did anything. I, I remember when we adopted our boys, we weren't sure. This is a big deal. I mean, they're going to inherit everything. And uh, so they've got about $5.50 coming their way. Um, but they, they're going to live in our house. They're going to inherit everything. They're going to, you know, I, I remember when, when we uh, were told by the social worker, you've been allocated twin baby boys. I was like, um, okay, can we see a photo? They didn't even have a photo. I'm like, how do I know they're from Ethiopia and not Tasmania if I haven't seen them? And uh, so I, I, no photo, no, all we had were their names. Their names are Yosef and Biniam. That's it. But, but God had already spoken to us, adopt children, not one, two, and not from just anywhere, but from Ethiopia. And we were so sure of that, we were willing to be completely unsure about these two little kids that have come into our lives and just destroyed everything, or at least the skirting boards and the carpet. But, but we couldn't be sure. All we could be sure of was God had said, adopt children. And we were so sure of that, we were willing to be unsure about everything else. I remember when we started another campus, or the first campus from our uh, main location, and we'd been thinking about it for a couple of years. And we'd been doing due diligence, and I'm not saying don't do due diligence. God gave you a mind, and part of our worship is to love the Lord our God with all our heart, soul, strength, and and mind. So, so part of our worship is to employ the good sense God gave us. And so we did due diligence, and we, we thought, and we planned, and we strategized. But at the end of the day, how many of you know, you're never certain of anything. I mean, you weren't completely sure when she walked down the aisle to marry you. Let's be honest, you weren't totally sure. How could you have been? You, there are three billion women on the planet. You've not met them all. So you couldn't be certain that there wasn't someone better, but you could be sure enough. Jude, little hint, never say stuff like this ever, okay? <laughs> She's the one, there's no one else. You've never sit there, no one else, whatever. Um, and so, all you can be is sure that God spoke, and, and it's the certainty of what God said that, that, that enables you to deal with the uncertainties of, of, of what it might bring. But here's the thing, in order to experience what God has, you've, you've got to give up that, that need to know everything. You know, the companion story to Matthew 4 is Matthew 19, where there's a young man. We don't know his name. We, we, he's, he's called, to be honest, this is one of my favorite guys in the Bible because I always wanted to be this guy. Um, we don't even know his name, but he's called the, the rich young ruler. I love that guy. I mean, he's rich. Don't look at me all holy. like you, Just because we went to Youth Alive night last night doesn't mean you, he's, he's got money, right? But here's the thing. You see, he, he's the rich young ruler. That, that is important. See, what's the point of being rich when you're old? So many, so many ways you can pimp your walker. But he's, <laughs> he's rich and young. So, so he's, he's, he's got the, the youthfulness to enjoy his, his wealth. And, and he's a ruler. He's got authority. And so he comes to Jesus. Now, now all of this, he's practically a Kardashian, which, which makes the question he asks all the more curious he says to Jesus what must I do to inherit eternal like ultimate life I'm thinking what do you mean ultimate life you're rich young powerful and, and you want more and Jesus calling him calling his bluff says well uh, have you tried being good he says well I am I've, I've kept all the commandments since my youth 
So he's rich, young, powerful, and upstanding member of his faith community. And he still says, I don't know. There's something, there's just something missing in my life. And Jesus says, well, you need to pray more. No, Jesus does not say that. Well, you need to go to church more. He doesn't say that. Well, you need to study the word more. Maybe you can roll it. Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus says, here's your problem, dude. It's not that you don't pray enough. It's not that you don't read the Bible enough. Your problem is you're bored. If you're so sure about everything, there's no room for, for me. You're so diarized, regimented routine. But Jesus says, don't worry, I can fix that. Get rid of everything you have and follow me. And the rich young ruler walked away sad because he couldn't bear the idea of not knowing how we're going to pay for it. He couldn't agree with the new church vision if you don't describe exactly how we're going to pay for this and by when, Pastor Andrew. And that's why a lot of churches never move forward because they've got church boards who stand there with the arms twisted and they say, well, we'll agree to your, sounds good, but, but tell us how it's going to happen. And your pastor never can because God never gives him details. God just says, do this, plant there, start a new location there. And of course, our pastors and those around them, the eldership and everyone else who's spiritual say, but how are we going to pay for it? Where are we doing it? And we do due diligence, but at the end of the day, God never really tells you all the details. And then you've got to stand in front of a church and say, church, God spoke that this is what we're going to do. And say, well, all right, but yeah, how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do this? And how are you going to do this? And, and they never know. How many of you know Andrew and Rachel are great people, but they haven't got a clue what they're doing? They don't know. They act like they do. It's a bluff. They haven't got the faintest idea. The best you can hope for in leadership is people are sure they've heard from God. And if, if, if you're sure you've heard from God, then it's, it's the certainty that God's spoken that allows you to move forward, though uncertain, of how everything else is going to work, but move forward, we must. You know, um, there'll always be uncertainties. I'm not saying don't do due diligence. I'm not saying don't work it out and use the strategies and the, the wisdom that God's given you. But Ecclesiastes 11 verse 4 says, Whoever watches the wind will not plant. Whoever looks at the clouds will not reap. In other words, it, you, you can analyze something to within an inch of its life, but... But eventually, you've got to just take a step of faith. And so the rich young ruler walked away sad. Meanwhile, the disciple, I mean, if I wanted someone on my team, the rich young ruler, he's my guy. Not Peter. Peter swears all the time. Peter's this uncouth, undisciplined, erratic, over-emotional fisherman. He's the last person I would want, but he had the one thing that Jesus needed. Faith. A willingness to step out, not knowing where he was going. And so while the rich young ruler disappears and becomes a footnote in history, Peter goes to Italy, John goes to Asia, James goes to Spain, Thomas goes to India. They, they didn't just travel the world, they turned the world upside down. That they could have walked the path of certainty and spent the rest of their days throwing a line into the Sea of Galilee. But instead they changed the world because they had the... And here's, here's the good news. All of us can do it. It's not a special skill it's it's not a, a personality type it, it's not an education it, it's just a willingness to say you know what I, I don't have to know every detail I just know God's spoken let's get moving Andy Stanley said there will always be an element of uncertainty generally speaking you're probably never going to be more than 80% certain of anything 
waiting for greater certainty might cause you to miss an opportunity. Uncertainty actually increases with increased leadership responsibility. The more responsibility you assume as a leader, the more uncertainty you'll be expected to manage. The cost of success as a leader is greater uncertainty, not less. The joy of being part of a growing apostolic church is greater uncertainty, not less. So buckle up and get ready for the ride. Because this will be a church over the next five to ten years that sets out not knowing where it's going. Because God will tell us when we get there, but we're moving, praise God. If, if Abraham had waited till he knew everything, he would never have left Haran. He would never have had children. His descendants would never have possessed the promised land. And he would never have been known as the father of faith. My notes just kind of stop there. I think that, I think that's that's just the end. <laughs> um, it's, if the musos could just come back, um, <laughs> and if maybe we can get rid of the that that just if the musos, so, this is so awkward, Andrew. I'm so sorry. I I felt like I'd been building to something, and then it just stops. Um, Normally when you preach, you, you do have like an end in mind, and you, you kind of preach, you kind of get the crowd, and then, but this, this sermon just kind of finishes really abruptly. Um, have we got the musos back? If I really need your help right now. Um, all right, here's what we'll do. Um, we, we, this, we, can, we can save this, okay? Um, we're going to finish with a pop quiz. Um, all right, so so you know, um, you know, uh, with with animals, right? Um, so so you could have a, a cow, but but when you get a group of cows together, they have a name for the for the the, the group, right? So so we'll do a pop quiz, and and I think that the Holy Spirit will move. Jude, I'm totally winging it right now. I would much rather be you sitting with the ridiculous-looking footwear <laughs> than me right now. All right, let's see how smart you are in Horsham. Um, a, a group of cows is called a? Very good. All right. A group of fish is called a? School. It's not a swear word. It's school. Um, all right, let's get a bit more difficult. A group of dolphins is called a? Gee, you are smarter than the average crowd. All right, all right. Let's see how good you are. Country folk. A group of wombats is called a? It's actually called, I know this is true because I looked it up on Wikipedia. Um, a group of wombats is called a wisdom. A wisdom of wombats. Because every time I've seen a group of wombats hanging out on the corner, I've always thought, there resides all wisdom. A group of crocodiles is called a... Andrew, I promise you this is true. A group of crocodiles is called a congregation. I preached in that church last week. A congregation of crocodiles. A, uh, a group of vultures. No, no, it's a group of crows that is called a murder. And please don't yell out murder in church. Um, but uh, a, group of, a group of vultures, this is true too, it's a committee. 
a committee of vultures. That's the Baptist church up the road. Have a committee for everything. We're in Africa. We're on safari, and you know, um, uh, a group of lions. It's called a pride. Please don't say that in church. Um, but uh, we saw the big five. The, the one animal I was really excited to see last time was a rhino. Do you know what a group of rhinos is called? Anyone know? A group of rhinos is called a crash. A crash of rhinos. Now, here's two things you need to know about a rhino. Number one, a rhino can run at 50 kilometers an hour. That's pretty quick when you consider the, the hulking bulk of a rhinoceros. But it runs at 50. That's faster than a squirrel. And not just any squirrel. Like That's faster than a Usain Bolt squirrel top speed of a squirrel is 41 kilometers an hour. A rhino can run at 50 kilometers an hour. But here's the second thing you need to know about a rhino. They have very poor eyesight. A rhinoceros cannot see more than nine meters in front of its own nose. So think about this. It's running at 50 kilometers an hour with no idea what's nine meters in front of it. But how many of you know a rhino doesn't need to know what's out there because it knows what God put right here? A rhino is so sure of what God put here, it doesn't need to know what's out there. It's about time we became so sure of what God put right here that we're not freaking out about what's out there. Listen to me. On Pentecost Sunday, it's all about understanding we have the Spirit of God indwelling. We have God's Spirit with us. He never leaves us or forsakes us. I don't know what's out there, but I know what God put here. I don't know what's around the next bend. I don't know what's over the next crest. I haven't got an eye, any idea what happens next month. And, and don't you understand we're living in a season right now where that's the truth. Literally, week by week, we haven't got a clue whether we're going to work, not going to work, whether we're meeting as a church or watching online. We don't know what's out there, but we sure know what God put here. You know, you, you'd never see a timid, shy, kind of, you know, introverted rhino. That would be an oxymoron. You don't see rhinos sort of hiding in the shadows, kind of afraid and, and sort of, you know, nervous and, and, and fretting. And in the same way, it's, it's an oxymoron to see a nervous, anxious Christian. Why would we be worried about tomorrow? We don't know what is going to happen tomorrow any more than anyone else knows what's happening tomorrow, but but we know what God's put in our spirit. We know all things work together for good. We know He'll never leave us or forsake us. We know His plans for me to give me a hope and a future. We know that He, he never fails to show His love and His mercies anew every morning. And I'm so convinced of those truths. This is why church is so important because every Sunday I gather and Pastor Andrew, one of the team, they just deposit truth so that I am sure of who Jesus is. And it's my surety of who He is that enables me to cope with the un certainty that Monday will bring. A crash, it's about time we had a crash of Christians. God help us if Horsham has churches that are nervous and tentative and, well, we're going to wait and see, well, is this at a good time, Pastor Andrew, maybe we should just wait until things settle down or the economy or, you'll never know. You can look at the clouds for the next six months and you'll never plant a seed. At some point, you've got to say, look, to, to the best of our ability, we think we know but look we're certain that God said so let's let's start and it's about time we had a crash of Christians who just crashed through uncertainty crashed through anxiety and this is the heritage of all the saints who believe in God you saved that sermon so I thought we fixed that I thought we fixed it all right did that work right here yeah I was totally off the top of my head can you stop distracting me please thank you 
Come on, let's stand to our feet. Let's pray. You happy? Close your eyes for a moment. Father, I thank you for good people in this place. I'm going to pray for two things. Firstly, I'm going to pray for every person who just, God's been speaking to you and you've been thinking about it, you've been analyzing, you've been critiquing, you've been putting it off, you've been waiting for a better day and God wants to speak to you today and say, hey, you're never going to be completely sure. That the question is this, have you heard from God? And if God's, if you're not sure if you've heard from God, then, then talk to someone who's spiritual and trusted and but if, if you've heard from God, that then maybe it's time just to step out because if you're waiting to know every detail, in six years' time, you'll still be in the same place you are because God is not going to give you every detail. So stop waiting for it. He doesn't work like that. He's never worked like that. God requires faith. And so I want to pray for people this morning. Where you are standing? But there'll be people here today and God's been speaking to you about a step of faith and you've been putting it off and putting it off. But maybe today on Pentecost Sunday, it's a day to say, you know what, I don't know what this step is going to bring, but I do know God is with me. And so in faith, I'm going to step out not knowing where I'm going, but believing God. And I tell you, it's the key to breakthrough. Why spend the rest of your life fishing in the Sea of Galilee when God could call you into, turn you into not just a world traveler, but a world changer? Father, for people here today, Lord, I pray faith and courage would fill their hearts. Lord, in an environment, in an atmosphere where everyone is anxious, everyone is tentative, everyone is unsure. Father, I pray we would crash through all of those things so that the future, so that something wonderful could be created. Lord, we're not going to spend the next number of months or years sitting on our hands waiting to see what happens because we believe ultimately it's you who is in control, not a government bureaucrat, not, not the circumstances, but it's you who directs the affairs of men. And you speak to us. You've filled us with your spirit. Of that we are sure. Father, I pray, help people to be so sure of you. Lord, that they can keep taking steps of faith, though unsure where it may lead. Lord, not just for individuals, but for us as a church, corporately. Father, I pray for our leaders and, and Lord, for all of us who call this church home. Lord, that we would not be those who demand that every T is crossed and every I is dotted before we'll agree to anything. But Lord, may we respond to vision in faith. May we be those who are quick to say yes, who are, are quick to give, who are quick to support, not having to know all the details, just, just needing to know that yes, we've heard from God and joining our faith with others to crash through into the wonderful future you have. Father, I pray that in Jesus' name. Father, I pray for every person here who is unsure of you, who hasn't yet found that certainty. You know, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done, God loves you. And there'll be people here today, and maybe it's your first time in church, maybe you've been here many times, but, but there's never been a moment in time when you stopped and made a deliberate decision to say yes to Jesus. I'm not asking if you've been to church before, you probably have. I'm asking, has there ever been a moment in time when you stopped and made a deliberate decision to say yes to the person of Jesus? If you've never said yes to Jesus before, in just a moment, not now, but in a second, I would love to pray for you right where you're standing. Or maybe there's other people, you've already said yes to Jesus, but for whatever reason, you're not walking with God the way you know you ought. You too need to say yes afresh today. Make your peace with God. Come back to Him. Right where you're standing, in just a second, I'm going to ask you, not now, but in a second, if you've never given your life to Jesus, or you have, but you're away from Him, I would love to pray for you. And so to help me just to know who I'm praying for, in a second, I'm going to get you to lift your hand up high just so I can see it. I'll acknowledge you. Then you can put it down. It just helps me know who to include in this prayer. People saying yes to Jesus. I promise you it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. God loves you. Why would you go home the same way you arrived? Why, why would you just waste a Sunday morning? Why wouldn't you make a decision today that changes everything? 
So will every eye is closed, if that's you, say, James, I know I'm not right with God. Well, of course you do. You don't need a preacher to tell you when you're not right with God. You know that in your own heart. Maybe what you need is a preacher to tell you, and I'll say it again, it doesn't matter who you are or where you've been or what you've done. God loves you. You take a small step towards Him, He'll come running towards you. I'd love to pray for you this morning. If that's you, will every eye is closed. Real quick, shoot your hand up high so I can see it. Down here, down here, down there. Over on the far left, God bless you. You can put your hand down once I've seen it. Anyone else this morning? There's four or five people already. Real quick, one last time, then we're going to pray. Is there one more person? Say yes to Jesus. Just say yes to Jesus. Then we're going to pray. All those people who lifted their hands. I want you to pray out loud after me. We'll all pray together so you won't feel self-conscious. But uh, the Bible says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth. Just look, look this way for a second. Let me help you. It says if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. You know what that means? Let me break it down. If Jesus is Lord, guess who's not? You. That's a revelation for most of us. But, but this is what becoming a Christian really is at its most simplest. It's a recognition that He's God, not me. That's a blow. Because I kind of thought the universe revolved around me. And to become a Christian is to admit it doesn't. I actually revolve around Him. And so I'm going to stop living the way. I don't know if I can stop living the way. I'm going to have to have God's grace to stop being in control. But I really would love Him to help me to stop needing to control everything and let Him control. It's everything we've been speaking about this morning. To become a Christian is simply to admit you're God, not me. Forgive me for acting like I was and help me to stop doing it. I'm going to trust you. And in that moment, everything changes. Come on, let's pray out loud together. Dear Jesus, thank you so much for loving me. I know you love me. You proved it when you died on the cross of my sin. Forgive me. From this day on, I put my faith and trust, not in myself, but in you. I commit myself to following you. Help me. Amen. Father, for every person who prayed that prayer, whether for the first time or whether for the tenth time, doesn't matter. Today, I pray, let your spirit come into their heart, never to leave them or forsake them. Lord, where there's guilt, I pray, may they know your forgiveness and love. Where there's confusion, I pray you'd start to bring clarity. Where there's hurt and disappointment, Lord, I thank you for hope to fill their heart and for them to be forever different. And we give you all the praise and all the glory in Jesus' name. Amen.